You are listening to the Feast Podcast from the Light of Jesus family. We share here significant and heartfelt messages for you to reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face your challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Today, we are, we are already on talk two of our new series called Ascent. All right, and I am just so excited to give you God's word. And so if you are ready, why don't you hit that button, type it in, I am ready. I am ready. Can I invite you to do our special prayer here at the feast as we come in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Everybody stretch your hands like this and say this with me. Today, I receive all of God's love for me. Today, I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today, I open myself to God's blessings, healing, and miracles. Today, I open myself to God's word so that I become more and more like Jesus every day. Today, I proclaim that I'm God's beloved, I am God's servant, and I am God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody, Lift one hand towards the screen and then sing this with me. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Today we will talk about one of the most famous stories in the Bible of all time. Okay, this is a story that we are all practically familiar with. I mean, in fact, we all grew up with this story. It's the story of Noah and the great flood that destroyed the world. How many of you know the story of Noah? Anyway, you know what? It's funny because this story is no longer a story that we find on a page in the Bible. No, this story has become so real to all of us. In fact, if you're Filipino, you know this. With all the typhoons and the calamities that's pillaging our nation and with all the massive flood that's been going around, that's why I believe that this talk will be real to you and me. That's right. Anyway, here's our talk title for today, okay? Write this down. Rain and Rescue. That's right, rain and rescue. Anyway, before we talk about the great flood, let me just explain how we got here, all right, for all the newcomers. Throughout the series, we'll be talking about the significance of mountaintops in the Bible. And you know, last week we said this, that powerful God encounters, they always happen on the mountaintop. That's why for today, we're going to declare this again, all right? I want you to help me preach this by typing, typing it in right now. I will encounter God today. Come on, type that in. I will encounter God today. You see, my dear friends, the mountain is the ideal place where God and man and all of creation live together in beautiful harmony. In other words, the mountain was called the divine dream. Let me explain. That's why when you were a child, okay, please don't judge me. I drew this, by the way. But when you're a kid, right, our first drawing always consists of a Bahay Kubo, right? Surrounded by a little garden right there. That doesn't look much like a garden. It looks more like a you know, rice plantation. There you go. But then on the on the backdrop, you see mountains, right? And then what stands in between is a little sun that shines, right? But, you know, as you can see, how many of you drew this when you were little, all right? You probably drew this, right? But as you can see, I have updated it a little bit. This is for all the millennials and the zillennials. As you can see here, I have added a little satellite dish there uh, and a little cell site tower there so that you can continue to you know, post your little TikTok videos, right? <laughs> but you know what? This is a basic picturesque image of the Garden of Eden, right? It's the perfect place. 
But you know what? Sadly, perfection did not last in that place because according to the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve, they did something behind God's back where they took matters into their own hands. And so God sent them out. You know, they got kicked out of this beautiful garden mountain and everything just went downhill from there. In fact, you know, in Genesis chapter 4, we are introduced to the two sons of, of uh, uh, Adam and Eve. Their, son, their, their sons were, uh, who were they? Cain and Abel, right? Cain and Abel. And then the author also tells us how Cain murders his brother Abel. And what this story teaches us, if anything, go ahead, write this down, that every time you hurt someone, you are actually hurting a brother. That's right. I hope you remember that. Every single time you hurt someone, you're hurting a brother or a sister. And so moving on into the story, okay, Cain builds the first human city. And then his children and his grandchildren, they all develop all sorts of things like musical instruments, livestock raising, even metal tools. But you know what? Sadly, that's not the only thing they develop. They also develop more violence, more oppression, especially violence against women. See, that's what happens. You know, when the powerful take control, they, they abuse the powerless. That's what we're seeing right now. In fact, you know what? Genesis may have been written 3,000 years ago, but today, you still see stories of Genesis everywhere. Where? Every time you watch the news, right? People still killing, destroying, pillaging, stealing. See, this is what happens when you have progress without God. Everything that you build, it will always come crashing down because when you remove God, gardens become graveyards. The mountain of beauty, it will be reduced to a valley of bloodshed. And that's exactly what happened here. In fact, if you go six chapters later, evil has taken place all over the world. In fact, let's read, okay? Genesis, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. It says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and He saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. I want you to take note of those two words that the author uses, consistently and totally. The author was describing how depraved the world had become. In fact, fast forward all the way to chapter 11. It says, Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. Verse 12, God observed all this corruption in the world for everyone on earth was corrupt. Notice how that word is emphasized three times. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. You know, when you read this passage literally, this passage is actually very disturbing because after all, it, 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 it paints a picture of a God who is not just angry, but a God who is vengeful. And in His wrath, He decides to, you know, take it out on people and decides to send a flood, a great flood, to wipe away all of humanity. That's why if you read this, this passage in a literal sense, it makes you ask this question. Are the storms that we are experiencing in this world right now, are, are they because of our sins? Were the victims of Ondoy and Ulysses being cursed by God? And the answer is, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay, here's what I want you to do, all right? I want you to lean in on this message, okay? If you are sitting down right now, I want you to sit on the edge of your seat, okay? Because what I'm about to say to you will blow your mind. Okay, this will shatter some of the false assumptions that you've ever had about God's character. All right, listen to me. In the flood story, 
Not once did the writer mention that God was angry or mad. Not once the, that the word wrath or anger even appear from Genesis chapter 6 to 9. No. So the great flood was not a result of God's wrath. Instead, this is what the text says. Okay, let's go to verse 6. The text says it loud and clear. It says, So the Lord was sorry He had ever made them and put them on earth. It broke His heart. See, the word that was used was sorry. It meant that God was full of sorrow. It says that God was heartbroken. Now, I don't know about you, but this all points to something. Didoy will preach it later, okay, about someone whom they call the man of sorrows. But here's my question. Have you ever been heartbroken? Send, give me a virtual hands up if you've ever experienced being heartbroken. Why were you heartbroken? Most likely because the person that you loved did not love you back. I know. I feel you. I feel you. As Ramon Bautista aptly puts it, Bakit hindi ka crush ng crush mo? Oh. <laughs> Let me just say this, alright? God was not heartbroken because He was mad. Okay? God was heartbroken because He loved us, but we didn't love Him back. Did you get that? No, you didn't. Let me say it differently. God is in love with you. That's why he got heartbroken because God loves you. And you know, whenever I read this story, I always thank God that he did not allow a great flood to happen in this context of today. I mean, you know, we've had floods here and there, but we have never experienced a flood of this magnitude, right? But when you look around your life, you know, you will realize that you might not be drowning in water, but you are still drowning. How? You're drowning in sin. You're drowning in addictions. You're drowning in depression. See, this might be our great flood today. There is another famous drowning story in the New Testament in the Bible where Jesus was walking on water one night and he asked Peter to do the same. And Matthew says that Peter got out of the boat and started walking towards Jesus. But here's the thing, when Peter saw the wind and the waves, he became afraid and then he started to sink. That's right. That's when Jesus immediately, that's what the Bible says, immediately reaches out and then pulls him up. In fact, can you type that in the comment below? Type in the word immediately. 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 Can I preach this to somebody today? If you are drowning in your sins right now, and you're tired of getting seized by it, and you're tired of wrestling with it, and you're tired of doing bicycle kicks just to go keep your head above the water, I have got good gospel news for you today. Jesus Christ, the one who defeated the power of sin by defeating the power of the grave, guess what? He is reaching down to you. And all you have to do is to reach out Hang on to Him. Let go of your sins and then grab hold of Jesus because the Bible says that when you grab onto Jesus, immediately He grabs onto you. Amen. In fact, let me invite you to do this right now. Can I invite you? Reach up right now. Come on. Can you lift your hands in this very moment? Lift your hands and then say this with me. I am tired of drowning, Jesus. I am reaching out to you. Lift me up. Lift me out in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for this word. One more time, everybody. Let's glorify Him. 
Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Praise be to God. Be blessed by our talk today. Please welcome everybody, Brother Bo Sanchez. Restart your life. Let me begin with a confession. I have zero sense of direction. Does that sound familiar to you? Can you identify? I have zero sense of direction. I'm telling you. You can ask me how to go to heaven, but you cannot ask me how to go to Quiapo or Valenzuela or Novaliches or Baclaran. I'm sorry. I can't. You know, I hope you get the picture. But my wife is amazing. She is a walking GPS. Her sense of direction is phenomenal. No wonder she found her way towards me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me tell you about this one day we were in Tokyo. And we were in a very familiar spot. Like, I've been there a number of times. So I kind of like knew. And I got cocky. And, and I was leading the way. And then we were going to this coffee shop that we wanted to go to. And, and I said, sweetheart, it's in this direction. Let's go. You know, and she shook her head. And she said, no, it's in the other direction. And because I was so certain... I said to myself, this is it. For the first time in the history of the world, I'm right and she's wrong and I'm going to prove it. So I I insisted. I said, no, 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 sweetheart. It's over here. That coffee shop is here. And so we argued for about 60 seconds. And after 60 seconds of arguing, she shrugged her shoulders and she said, if you want to go there, go ahead. She made me lead the way. And so I led the way. What happened? 29 minutes later of walking in the wrong direction and being lost in Japan and <laughs> wondering, are we still in Tokyo? I'm exaggerating. Are we? <laughs> That's crazy. You know, I looked at her and I said, sweetheart, this is your fault why we are lost. You did not stop me. And she said, Ay, nako, ewan ko ba? <laughs> we were both laughing. But, but uh, I, I can't translate that in English. I'm sorry, I can't. But, but so here, here we go. I just, I just want to share this with you. Why did I share you that story? Because I believe that it perfect, perfectly represents our relationship with God. That there are many times we insist that we are right and we doubt God. And, and what happens is we, we, we disobey and we get stubborn and we don't trust Him. You know what God does? He looks at us and He says, you want to go there? Go ahead. So what happens is, is that he, he basically says, okay, God lets us have what we want. And that's scary. That's absolutely scary. But the great thing about God is He's also like my wife because even if we're walking in the wrong direction, God is still tailing us. God is still sticking around. Why? So that when we finally realize we're lost, I'm lost, you can turn to God so that God can give you a restart. And that's my message I want to share with you today. And it links up to our Bible story about this flood story. I want you to know my first reaction when I was reading 
this flood story narrative, Noah's Ark, flood, great. You know, my first reaction was this. Man sinned so much that God had it. You know, his patience wore off. And what he did was he got his big stick to punish us. And that big stick was the cataclysmic flood. I want you to know that Bible scholars who analyze Genesis and the entire scripture will tell you that, the, that, that this story has a different meaning and a different message. And that's what we're going to unlock today. I want you to know when God created the world, he created it by separating chaotic waters from land. And so there was waters below the land and there was water above the dome. You know, he, and, and so the universe, in their ancient worldview, the universe existed because God was holding off the chaotic waters. So that's why the flood happened this way. I'm going to read chapter, 11 verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 11. All the underground waters erupted from the earth and the rain fell in mighty torrents from the sky. What does that mean? That meant that the chaotic waters under the earth and, and above the dome merged with earth. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Are you ready? Because the flood is a de-creation. Now, I want you to look in your personal life. Doesn't that happen also? Do you see decreation happening in your personal life when you lie, cheat, violate your moral code, harm yourself, harm other people? Sin is welcoming chaos back into your life because sin is decreation. Let me shout this from the rooftops. Are you ready? I believe that. God lets us have what we want. Why? It's out of his compassion that this hopefully will wake you up for a new restart. You see, man was destroying the world. And what God did in the story was he accelerated that destruction that was already taking place so that the world will be ripe for that restart. I hope you're making. I hope I'm making sense to you. Um, at the end of the day, sin is our worst punishment. Sin itself. I'm sorry. Sin itself is its worst punishment, because when you allow evil to enter your life, it consumes you, and so evil will make you less human. Evil will make you act like an animal. I remember the story of this priest. An amazing story. And he said, you know, as a priest, you get benefits. Like when you attend a party. Like in a party, the priest gets the best table and the best seat and the best food. And uh, he says, you know, if there's pancit, sapare ang atay. That means that the priest gets the liver in the pancit or in the Philippine noodles. He, he said that, you know, he gets all the best, all the best, all the best, including best drinks. And that's why he became, he said, well, uh, according to him, uh, he, he just, he became an alcoholic and um, he, he got out of control. He thought he could control it, but then it became out of control. So he said that when he was drunk, um, he acted like an animal. Number one, he acted like a monkey because he was prancing and laughing around. Number two, he acted like a dog because he was peeing anywhere. And number three, he acted like a pig because he was already sleeping on his own vomit. And uh, 
that was when he hit rock bottom and that he cried out to God for rescue. And rescue came in the form of a small prayer meeting. This priest walked into that prayer meeting and he asked for prayers from these ordinary lay people. And he changed his life by the grace of God. Do you know that except for the wine at Mass, he has not touched alcohol anymore? When I met him, he was seven years sober. It's, it's an incredible story. But I like that story because I believe it reveals what the story of Noah's Ark is all about. The story of Noah's Ark is not about a trigger-happy God who is emotionally unstable and in one fit of rage annihilates mankind because you are so evil. You know, no, it's not. It's The story of Noah's Ark is the story of this compassionate God who looks at our stubbornness and says, you want to go there? Go ahead. So that we hit rock bottom. So that in that state, we become more open for a restart. The story of Noah's Ark is not a story of destruction. It is a story of salvation. And the goal of God is not to destroy you, but to rescue you. And my dear friend, if you are in that place right now and you're wondering why is this happening? Why is there chaos in my life? Why, 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 why? why? You're asking why. Has God left you? Has God, friend, I want you to claim this, that a restart can happen in your life. I want you to say yes to this God. He wants to rescue you. Amen. Thank you, Brother Bo. We want to say yes to God as He wants to rescue us. It's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful preaching that we have today. And I would like to close this message with three points, talking about the ark, the mountain, and the bow. This is going to be good, guys. I hope you're ready. So the first thing is about the ark. Think about it. Instead of God choosing to wipe away all of humanity on earth, He chose Noah to represent us. And He still see, He, he saw hope in us. He, he could have wiped us out, but Noah is like a representation of the good in all of us. God doesn't give up on us us when you look at this story it's not a story of destruction it's a story of salvation look at your life look at yourself look at the people around you and look at our society and god's message through this noah's ark story is i am not giving up on you the ark is like the dry land despite all the chaotic waters all around us the storms may come and go but god made sure that there is an ark for the good in us to survive and eventually we will thrive again the ark is like the new eden where we are safe where we are secure i want you to listen to your heart today and and really listen to what God is trying to tell you that yes I will never give up 
on you. I remember this song. I don't know. I, I have my keyboard here, so I'm gonna do this with you. There's a chorus that sings, I won't give up on us, even if the skies get rough. I'm giving you all my love. I'm still looking up. Still looking up, and I won't give up on us. I know you're tough enough. We've got a lot to learn, and I know you're worth it. And I won't give up on us. Skies get rough. I'm giving you all my love. I'm still looking up. Put your hand to your heart and say this to yourself today God doesn't give up on me. Say it again God doesn't give up on me. God will never give up on me. Say it again God will never give up on me. God will never give up on you, on your dreams, on your family, on your health, on your success, on your peace. When you look at the story, when you see the ark, that's a sign that God sees the good in all of us. No matter what happens, no matter what people tell you, you are good. And you're created to do good. And He could do good things through you. He will make all things work out for your good. That's the story of the ark. And now we come to a point that you'll see the next message. The next message is the mountain. The mountain tells us in this story from Genesis 8 verse 4. It says, The boat came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. Here we go. We're in a mountain again, just like last week, the mountain of Eden. Now we're in the mountain of Ararat. When Adam sinned, the ground was cursed. But Ararat, in Hebrew, it literally means the, re- the curse is reversed. The reversed curse. Meaning, here we go. Adam cursed the land because of sin cursed the land and then through this story of Noah's ark when we reach the mountain again and it rested on the mountain God is giving us a reversed curse meaning restart your life meaning begin again and 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 he, God even says the same words he said to Adam and Eve, to Noah and his family. And it says in verse 8, verse, uh, verse 17, chapter 8, uh, it says, Be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> Meaning, I haven't given up my call for you. You still have a mission. You still have a beautiful purpose. Go ahead. Plant again, dream again, be, be, be my representative. And I want to speak to anybody here who thinks that it's the end or, or, or I, have the, 
have come to the end of my of my line of my wits of i don't have any patience anymore for my family for my husband for my kids i i i i think i'm gonna give up on this business and no i i i don't know what to do god is telling you through the edens through the Noah's Ark story, when you reach the mount, it rested on the top of the mountain Ararat. And it says, the curse is broken, begin again. This situation that we're all in, this is a breaking, but it brings us a blessing of beginning new again. Listen to God's word today. (laughs) The ark, the mountain, and the bow here we go this is good and 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 this is very very crucial even if we mess up again and uh, you know you, you look at this story of the flood and, and 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 the new beginning god promises that he could undo our mess and and he says on chapter 9 verse 13 to 15 it says i have placed my rainbow in the clouds It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. And never again will the flood waters destroy all life. Never again that the flood will come. And and in in Hebrew, if you if just a little story or just a little note, in Hebrew there is no literal term for a rainbow. It only said bow. Okay, not brother bow. Huh? It only said bow, and the original word was bow. So the first thing that ancient readers would look at this is is think of a warrior's bow. You like the bow and the arrow. And this is a beautiful illustration of God's love for us. The rainbow, it, it means in this story, God is laying down His warrior's bow. Meaning, there's no more hostility, there's no more punishment. God is a warrior who lays down His bow. And He says, let's begin again. In, in terms of a personal relationship with Him, He's not ready to fire at you. He has laid down His bow. Even if you sin again and again, He said, that's my promise. I will love you no matter what. I loved you first. I will, I will take care of you. I will be there right with you in your sorrow, in your grief. You know, I, this week has been tough for some that I know in our Light of Jesus family. A lot of people got sick. And um, sometimes we think that sickness is a form of punishment. <laughs> but God says to you, no, I will take care of you. I will heal you. And, and, and yes, God is the healer of our physical infirmities. But I believe that in sickness, the grace of God flows not just in our physicality, but also healing us emotionally, making us restart again, reflect on how we're living our lives, puts our family closer together, puts the community to work together, and we will help people, and we will heal one another through God who heals us first. And if you try to take a look how the bow is positioned, like in the bow arrow move, the bow is positioned upwards. It is not targeted to us. (laughs) The bow is facing upwards. So when you look at the rainbow, be glad that it is not facing us. (laughs) It's facing towards God. 
And, and, and thing, if things go bad, it will be God's call. It will be God who will take care of it. You know, God's solution to humanity's evil is to suffer for us. Death on a cross. But it did not end with death. There is resurrection. You know, Jesus on the cross was like, was like God submersing Himself in our infirmities, in our sickness, in our souls, in our sins, in our human evil, greed, selfishness, hostility. And it's meant to overwhelm Him. But you know what? On the third day, Jesus rose. Jesus got out of the water and He reversed the curse. Jesus is the new ark and we're safe with Him. And the ark rested and He says, go and multiply. Begin again. This is your hope today. And I want to end by telling you on a personal note that we preachers Everyone, we are just like you. We would we would have our moments that, parang hindi. I think I did not preach that well, or maybe I think I made that wrong decision, or maybe you know I think I've hurt that person, even if you know I did not mean it. But I think I hurt people, and sometimes when they, we have problems because of the problems of people brought upon us. You know, sometimes we point it to ourselves. This is our fault. This is our failure. Oh, man. But this story reminds us, God will not give up on me. I can begin again. I can be fruitful despite this again. And I'm just thankful that because of grace of God we are still like this we are still continuing with life you know I'm still a husband I'm still a father even when I feel that I am not the best that I could be at times when I fail as a leader as a preacher as a doctor God says to me there's always a rainbow (laughs) and I will not give up He who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. It's part of God's plan and it's part of God's process. I want to sing that song to you. Very, very simple song. We're going to go old school today. This is like a 20-year-old song. <laughs> I hope that uh, this blesses you. Let's make it a prayer and our declaration for one another today. Can a good work in you He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it will be faithful to complete it He who started the faithful to complete it in you receive your new hope today let me sing 
If the struggle you're facing is slowly replacing your hope with despair, or the process is long and you're losing your song in the night, you can be sure that his hat. One more time. You can be sure that the Lord has His hand on you, safe and secure. He will never abandon you. You are His treasure, and He finds His pleasure in you. One last time. He who began a good work in you. Began a good work in you. Will be faithful to complete it. Will be faithful to complete it. He who started the work will be faithful to complete it in you. He'll be faithful to complete it. Begin again. God doesn't give up on you. Restart your life. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Light of Jesus family. For more messages like these, please visit lightfam.com slash podcasts.